you. See? I. Irvine. Hello, my name is Kimberly Martin, and you're listening to Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County, a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Opinions expressed on this show are totally mine and do not reflect the opinions of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County and other shows, please go to KUCI.org. Well, hello, Heather. How are you today? Oh, it's a long story. Do you want to get started? <laughs> <laughs> well, probably not. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm afraid. Or wait, do you want to share? Well, uh, share if you can be brief. Share if I can be brief. Yes. Well, I don't think I don't think it's possible to be brief in this instance, but okay. I'll, I will say, for those that know me and for those that Let listen speak, to me a lot yes. on the air, um, I read my friend that does the show after me on the Heather McCoy show, Claudia. Um, she lent me a book of an anthology of Gore Vidal essays, yeah. and so basically one of the Gore Vidal essays was called Myra Breckenridge, and so it was the last twenty pages had a very surprise twist ending that I was shocked that happened. I just couldn't believe it because it was just so. I mean, it's even risque today in the last twenty pages, and uh, some of it, a lot of it, in fact, all of it relates to me, and mm. uh, and it's just uh, the last twenty pages just have me super depressed on top of everything else that's going on it triggered you huh? it triggered me in a bad way mm. but I'm, I'm sure i'll be over it eventually so mm, well it might be help you process too you never know yeah well i don't see how but you never know <laughs> well yeah. we might have some people in the studio that can help you with that today. oh are, are, <laughs> you never know i don't even think i told you well no you no, kind of knew what today was all about i knew yeah and you kind of knew because we have a relative in here of Matt Kaplan. Of, of Matt Kaplan, Amy Kaplan, his sister-in-law. So that's exciting news. And I am I wish Matt was here to hear you live and to see you, but he'd be so proud. Do they specialize in lobotomy? Because I think that would make things better at this point. <laughs> you don't need a lobotomy, oh, sweetheart. Nuts. <laughs> Just a little shift. Um, so, okay, well, I was going to start out my chat by talking to you about myself just a little tiny bit. Um, and if you're just tuning in, this is uh, Real People of Orange County. I'm your host, Kimberly Martin, and with me, helping me host, uh, is Heather McCoy. Hi. So 88.9 FM here in Irvine. We'll just get that right out of the way. And um, I was going to tell you, do you know how many children I have? Do I know how many you children? You don't really have? ask me very many personal questions. That's because I don't feel it's my obligation to ask. Um, how many children do you have? <laughs> well, I ask you loads does, of personal questions. Does that include farm animals or is it just no, huh? human beings? Okay. Um, just the humans. Just the humans. Well, I know I've met two of your kids. Oh, well, then you're close. And so I'm going to guess you probably have one older one. I do. I have three children. Yeah, I guess right. Three. And I, I'm, I'm one of those lucky gals. Just call me Fertile Myrtle. <laughs> Fertile Myrtle. <laughs> I, um, uh, it happened. It happened very easy and very effortless. I, 
my husband as easy and I, as a Virgin Mary, <laughs> something like well, not immaculate, but oh. my husband and I laugh um, because I tell people we had three unplanned pregnancies, <laughs> and that I mean, oh, you winced. I don't think I've ever seen you wince. Yeah, three unplanned. <laughs> well, yeah, but because I was I was going to say that's what you can do when you're married. You don't have to plan. You just get to sit back, relax, and you know let the babies roll in. <laughs> yeah, see how many times it takes the center of the tootsie pop or whatever. That's right, and so um, I really related i don't know if many of you remember back it's hard to imagine that desperate housewives was on for as long as it was but oh, the, God, the yeah. one thing that hooked me on that show is probably the one scene that i remember the most was when lynette was with her husband and they were just and lynette is who i don't know no. she's the blonde She's the one with all the kids. She was fertile, too. And well, she's a conservative lady that was really uptight, but then she was crazy. No, that was Brie. Oh, that was Brie. Um, okay. but, but Lynette and her husband were just rolling oh, okay. around in the hay, we'll just say. And and she was like, wait, stop. You know, they'd already had like three plus kids and twins or something crazy like that. Something that, you know, makes your life insane. And she she was in, in bed with her husband. And her husband goes, oh, honey, let's chance it. And she oh. reached up with a... a her big fist and cold cocked him right across the face because she was like, I'm not up for that anymore. Yeah. And I, I guess that's kind of how, how I, my husband used to always say, oh, let's just chance it. <laughs> oh, God. That's a, that's a pretty big chance. I mean, that's that's like playing in lotto in that reverse. Is, that's family life. That's just, you know. That's, that's at least $100,000 out of your pocket. <laughs> Uh, like wait, if there was a jackpot to give you right now for the Price is Right guess, I'd have to I'd have to say you just you just hit the nail on the head, and I'll tell you why because today uh-huh. in the studio we have Amy Kaplan, and Amy is the director of West Coast Surrogacy, and it's located here in Orange County, Aliso Viejo. I've known Amy for a long time. She's a very quiet gal. And I have to say, I had a little bit of a time getting her into the studio because she was concerned that we wouldn't have much to say for an hour. But she's got a really, really interesting uh, take on life due to her career now. And so Amy brought in with her some of her colleagues. And West Coast Surrogacy, we're going to learn a lot about it today because this is a really interesting, interesting, um, what would you say? I don't know. Interesting, interesting way to bring a child into the world. Oh, okay. Because so many of us really have it easy. It's something that just comes easily, comes comes um, effortlessly. And so Amy's going to tell us about a lot of women that are in a situation where they can't always have these things done easily. So a tremendous amount of planning and time and effort goes into bringing a child into the world for some families. And the surrogacy is, is really a gift to people that are having this difficulty. And that's what we're going to highlight about today. Okay. So um, I'm going to switch my microphone, and um, you're going to give me yours. And um, we're going to talk to Amy Kaplan. And in the studio with Amy is also Sue Ann Goinus and Laura Davis and DeLacy Anderson. So welcome, ladies. Thank you all for coming in the studio today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cranky. Okay, so I'm not going to be able to see Amy, but since we know each other the most, we we don't need eye contact, right, Amy? That's right. <laughs> we most of our most of our time is talking on the on the phone anyway, so this will just seem like we're on the phone. So thank you for being here, ladies. I first of all, I just have to say I didn't get any bathroom time before the show because there's a couple pregnant ladies in the in, in the studio, and so they took up all my all my time. <laughs> and um, so, Amy, I want to know about 
you and how you started into surrogacy because we're going to tell our listeners a lot about what surrogacy is. But before that, I want to know why, why this was a really important career choice for you. Okay. Thank you for having me too, Kimberly. I know we've, we've talked about this for quite a while. And Heather, thank you. Um, I started in the field of reproductive medicine when I was in my early 20s and I had a son, Tyler, and was looking for work and happened to come across an ad for a reproductive endocrinologist looking for a front office person. And I started in that field, um, like I said, in my 20s. And during my time there, the doctor asked me if I'd be interested in donating my eggs for a couple. And after doing some searching into what it meant to me to be a parent and how much having Tyler had changed my life in such a, a beautiful way, I wanted to to help this couple um, to achieve that for themselves. So I, I met with a couple and fell madly in love with them and donated my eggs. And they do have a daughter today that I um, stay in touch with and have a very close relationship to. And out of that experience, I knew that this was the field that I wanted to spend my life in. So I continued to work for fertility doctors for many years, um, donated my eggs again for another family that had twins. And um, I was, I I later uh, remarried and had my daughter and had to um, ironically go through fertility treatment myself to uh, achieve that pregnancy. So out of, yeah, it is. And I was shocked after having been an egg donor and and helped produce so many pregnancies to find myself then on the other side and going through fertility treatment for, um, for about two years and suffering a miscarriage and then having my daughter Mia. Um, And, and in that experience, I, I really wanted to have another pregnancy, but I didn't want to have any more children and had seen so many couples coming through the fertility centers who were using surrogates. And I thought, that's, that's something I, I do want to experience before I'm too old. And uh, by being too old for a surrogate, that's at the age of 40, basically. So I'm, when I was 39, I, I did uh, work with an agency and uh, do a surrogacy myself and carried twins. And from that experience... I thought, well, this this is where I want to be. This is the field within reproductive medicine that I want to dedicate the rest of my life to. And then I started West Coast Surrogacy five years ago. Oh, that that is remarkable. I I'm so fascinated that you felt like you had another pregnancy in you to share, but that you weren't really necessarily wanting to have more children. Mm-hmm. That is that a common decision for surrogates that come your way mm. that they have experienced the miracle of birth and child and, mm-hmm. and and having their own babies, but then they really want to be able to share that? Exactly. And many of them do love the experience of being pregnant and would like to experience that again. Um, and others surprisingly have very challenging pregnancies with morning sickness and nausea and even vomiting but yet being a mother has made such a, a huge impact in their life that they'd like to share that gift and so there's there's different motives for them to want to be a surrogate whether it's um, wanting to experience pregnancy again wanting to contribute the gift of life to somebody uh, and usually a combination of both 
Okay. All right. Well, we're going to get into a couple of the definitions about what is mm. surrogacy, but I would like it if you would take a moment to introduce the three people that you brought with you today and why they're mm. such integral parts in your organization. Okay. Wonderful. We have Sue Ann sitting next to me, who is our coach for uh, not only me personally, but also for our surrogate moms. And she's there to support them throughout this journey from the time that they enter into a legal contract with a, another party um, until at least two months postpartum. Okay. She's not, she's not a birthing coach. She's a life coach. A is that life correct? coach. A, correct. An important distinction. Here. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Correct. No worries. So we'll get to hear a little bit more from you, Sue Ann. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Thank you. In a little bit. Okay. And who else do we have? And we have Laura. Laura came to West Coast Surrogacy as a surrogate several years ago. And um, from that experience, we developed uh, a, a strong respect for each other. And she continued to to be a surrogate mom and has had unique experiences both with another agency and on her own independently and is currently working for West Coast Surrogacy as a case manager. Okay. All right. Well, we'll dig a little bit into your story, too, in a little bit, Laura. And finally, DeLacy, who also came to us as a surrogate mom several years ago and is on her third surrogacy. And she was the first person to come to work with me after I started West Coast Surrogacy. And she's also a case manager. And um, as Laura is on her third surrogacy right now, both Lacey and Laura. Okay, good. All right. Well, so before we have everybody chime in, I would like it if you would tell me, well, first of all, define what a surrogate is for our mm -hmm. listeners. But I also, there's a couple important distinctions that you, that you draw here. So let's talk about mm -hmm. those two. Okay. A surrogate mother is a woman who agrees to carry a pregnancy for another person. It could be for a single woman or a single man or a gay couple, a married couple, um, intended parents, as we call them, come to us in many different ways. And so the surrogate is the woman who agrees to carry that pregnancy for them with the intention that the other party will parent the child. Um, there are gestational surrogates and traditional surrogates. We work solely with gestational surrogates, meaning that she does not use her own eggs. So the surrogate does not use her own eggs in the process. She'll use either the egg of an egg donor or the egg of the woman who is um, looking to have the child, the intended mom. Okay. And that's, that's a, there's a distinction there between that and traditional surrogacy, is that correct? Correct. And traditional is when the surrogate's egg is used. So it's the surrogate's egg and the sperm provider, um, who's usually the person who's going to be the father of the child. And the surrogate then carries um, her own genetic child and then relinquishes that child to the couple or the parent afterwards. So probably that type of surrogacy brings about a lot of um, what would just say um, mm -hmm. emotional uh, sticky wickets maybe yeah. in the process and right. and you you provide gestational surrogacy only in your organization is that correct correct okay and that's um, and that's what uh, tell me why that is well like you said the emotional uh, concerns that could come up if if a woman um, has not been a traditional surrogate before and does not know what that experience will be like to uh, then detach from that child that's genetically hers, um, which could arise in some legal 
issues or concerns if she wants to have any um, rights over the child. Okay. All right. So this is a way of providing the gift of life to a family Mm. who may or may not have have gone through a really long journey to get to you. And um, they will receive this gift, but it'll also be maybe a little easier on the surrogate. So maybe all around the relationships are, are easier to manage. Right. Um, Sue, chime in a little bit and talk to us a little bit about what this might be like for both the family and the surrogate. Well, I work with mainly the surrogate, but I also work with the intended parents as well. And what it's like with the surrogate or what I coach them around is the entire process and the feelings that come up for them and the goals and what they want to accomplish from the overall experience. I do the same thing with the intended parent. We find out what they want to accomplish in the experience, and then we work together in a partnership to accomplish that. Okay. Can you give me some examples of the concerns that come up for the surrogate that you're working with? Well, it's more just going through the highs and lows of pregnancy okay. more than anything because they, when they enter into it, the screening process is very extensive. So when they've made the decision to do this, that's all taken care of. They know why they're doing this. Um, many of them are doing it for a higher purpose. There's various reasons, but they're ready to do this. This is what they want to do. And, but with any pregnancy, there's going to be highs and lows. Because probably all the hormones. Hormones and, and you know, different things <laughs> oh that boy, come the girls up. Roll yeah, their eyes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes we're emotional and we don't know why we're being emotional because the hormones have really kicked in. So but I also get to coach around the joy. Oh good. So you make- And there is lots of joy through the process of what they're doing. And so in addition to coaching around the surrogacy I coach them as whole human beings, so anything that they want to bring to the session. In fact, I'll begin the session with asking them what would they like to focus on in this session and what would they like to get out of the session. And so we spend time with the surrogacy and um, kind of they update me where they're at and that, how they're feeling and that, and then they may bring up something else. Maybe they want to talk about parenting. Maybe they want to talk about health and wellness, um, communication um, with their family members. Or it could be that they want to focus on life after the surrogacy. It's whatever they want to focus on. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would like to hear from the two ladies that... Well, you're both case managers for West Coast Surrogacy, but you're also both carrying a surrogate child. Am I saying that right if I'm saying a surrogate? You're you're the surrogate. You're both carrying babies for other families. So let's talk with you, Laura. Let's start with you and hear a little bit about your experience. Okay. Um, This is my third surrogacy right now, and um, I've carried um, twins and now two um, singleton pregnancies as a surrogate. Um, I've worked with Amy and West Coast Surrogacy, um, as well as with another agency, and um, definitely chose West Coast Surrogacy again and to go to work for Amy because there's so much support. Like Sue Ann had said, um, she's there. Um, All of us, the case managers, have been surrogates as well, and that's um, 
a huge a huge factor I think for a lot of surrogates who are looking into being a surrogate to know that when they are talking to us they've we've been through it and we um, can understand where they're coming from. Do you, Laura, have children of your own? I do. I have two children of my own, a seven and an eight-year-old. Okay. And I loved being pregnant and really, really was mourning that loss when we were complete. A boy and a girl, two kids, that was enough for us. But Perfect family, yeah. Yeah. Um, I really felt a loss of never being pregnant bef- again. So um, that's when it's my so research began. Yeah, that's so interesting. Do you mind if I ask you your age? Sure. Okay. Um, I'm 36. Okay. And um, my first surrogate pregnancy, I think I was 31. Okay. I don't remember now. (laughs) So you've been carrying babies since you were 31 for other families. Yes. What's that like when you give their child to them on that day that the child is born? Um, That's actually the whole goal that we're working towards from the very beginning, before we're even pregnant. The whole experience, why we're doing this, is to help another family have what we've already had, and most of us very easily, as you said, fertile mortals. And so going into it, that's like, that's the goal we're working towards. So that day when you give birth, it's very exciting. Um, It's emotional in a good way. Mm -hmm. I think um, what so many people are worried about, or they ask us as surrogates, is how is it to give up that baby? And it's not giving up the baby. The baby was never ours to begin with. And mm-hmm. so it's actually what we are working on the whole time. So it's it's the most exciting day in the end. Interesting. So if you're just tuning in, this is Real People of Orange County. I'm your hostess, Kimberly Martin. And with me is also Heather McCoy. She's sitting quietly to my right. I think all the talk about hormones. <laughs> anyway. Um, I deal with that every day. Yeah, I know. You do. Um, and so uh, we're, we're learning from this lovely group of ladies, two of them carrying surrogates right now, all about surrogacy. And there are many ways to produce a family. And so we're talking about that here today because not everybody is as lucky to uh, carry full-term pregnancies or even... Um, to get pregnant for that matter. So we're looking at options for um, for you and for your family. If, if there's been some complications around that, you might consider surrogacy, and we're exploring those options today. Um, we also have DeLacy. DeLacy, you're sitting there carrying a baby, too. How far along are you? I forgot to ask that question of Laura, but we'll get to that. Oh, you can go ahead, Laura. Oh, um, 27 weeks. 27 weeks. Okay, Lacey, DeLacy, tell me about you. I'm 26 and a half weeks. Oh, okay. So just a little bit behind Laura. <laughs> uh, did you time that so you guys could <laughs> go shopping together? <laughs> for no, maternity we've been pregnant before together, actually. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. For other surrogates, surrogacies, but... <laughs> You've formed your own support group. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So tell me, tell me about you. Tell me about your family and tell me about uh, what surrogacy has meant for you. So I have two children, uh, also a boy and a girl. And with our second, my husband and I were done. We thought that was it. And I wasn't done being pregnant. I'm like, no, I'm not done being pregnant yet. I I want another pregnancy. So I found articles with surrogacy and looked into it some more and brought it to his attention. And I think he thought I was kidding at first. But the more we looked into it and started talking to agencies and eventually found Amy, the more I realize this is this is what I want to do. I can be pregnant and help someone else achieve this family that we have. And 
So here I am doing my third surrogacy now. I've delivered a singleton and then twins, and I'm carrying a singleton currently. The couple I did it for the first time, this is their second baby. So I'm carrying their second child for them. Oh, wonderful. So you bring up an interesting, I have two questions and both of you can answer this. I'm seeing a bit of a trend. Both of you have carried twins. Is that common because in vitro fertilization is used? I think so. The twins are more common? Yeah, we see a lot of twins in the process. Amy, Um, do you want to chime in on that? Sure. They typically two embryos are transferred at one time to increase the chance of achieving a pregnancy. And with that carries obviously the possibility of both implanting. And when the quality of the embryo is high um, and the possibly the age of the egg provider is young, we have beautiful embryos and many times both do implant and we, we do see a high volume of twins in surrogacy, which is something for the surrogate mothers to consider when they're uh, applying and considering surrogacy. Are they are they willing to carry a twin pregnancy? And um, it is definitely a different pregnancy on the body than a singleton. Uh, and we review that with her when she comes into our office. Okay. All right. And um, so, okay, so tell me a little bit more. I have to remember what my second question was. Sorry. <laughs> it's going to take a while. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, for me, I mean, I never, doing my first one, I never pictured doing a third. But especially having the family come ask me if I would do it for them again you know I definitely wanted to and have already had that experience with them so it definitely makes it a little easier the second time so it sounds to me and tell me if this is the case do you have a relationship with this family I do yes okay yeah is is that common in surrogacy that the surrogate becomes involved with the families that they're helping even obviously probably likely during but um, even after I think most of them at least keep in touch with photos and emails, giving updates and that type of thing. Kind of like you send the Christmas card to your pediatrician yeah. every year. You you get those of the children that you've helped. Yes. And my, my couple is closer to my location. So I think that's part of where our relationship comes from is we can go to lunch and my kids can see them and all that. So, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Sue, talk to me a little bit about that. that the, that's your area, the relationships. Well, I think it's important to understand what they want out of their relationship when they're going into this. They, the With surrogate, the, the surrogate or the and the intended parent, both okay. Okay. need to. And that, and that is handled in the match process. So when they're matching them up front, and Amy can talk more about the match process, but they're, uh, they spend time understanding what it is they both want to get out of the, the surrogacy. Okay. So in the match. Um, Amy, you can tell me about this. Do parents come in with in mind that they're going to have a relation? They want to have a relationship with that surrogate, mm. or do they um, know right off hand if they don't? Well, many times they come in thinking that they don't want to have a relationship, or they'll have one during the pregnancy, but they don't foresee a relationship after the birth. And um, what we found is through the process and the intimate journey that they share with the surrogate that they become very attached to the surrogate and they surprisingly want to have a relationship afterwards, um, sometimes even more so than the surrogate might want to. So they they may come in with a, an expectation or, um, you know, making it very clear that they do not foresee a relationship. But I, I like to have that conversation about 
let's just see see where this goes and be open to the possibility that they may want to have a relationship. And with the the surrogates, typically they, if they have not been a surrogate before, they really may not know what they are looking for. Um, but we found that they really do uh, enjoy having that communication and that interaction and contact um, on a even a weekly basis and having a, some type of relationship afterwards so that they can see pictures of the child and know the child's doing well and and that really feeds them and that's that's the whole reason they're doing this is to to see a family at the end right and um so just by looking at a photo it can it can feed her soul so much from that experience okay um there i would imagine you have a list that you go through when you're making the match Uh, Mm -hmm. talk to me about some of the things Mm -hmm. that are the most important to come up uh initially when Mm -hmm. you're matching a surrogate with an with an intended family, sure. intended parents. Well, so the basic foundation that needs to be in alignment are views on um, sensitive topics such as termination of a pregnancy, um, fetal reduction, and relationship. Those would be some three primary areas that we look at. And we make sure that both parties are all in agreement on those topics. And then from there, I'll I'll listen to what's important to the intended parent. They may be looking for a surrogate in their area so that they can attend appointments and have a close relationship. Um, They may want somebody who eats organic food and exercises regularly, or uh, they prefer a married surrogate versus a single mom. And all surrogates do have to have children of their own and carry the pregnancy full term. So they are all mothers. However, not all of them are married. Now that, you just Mm. touched on something that that's a requirement of West Coast surrogacy, correct? It's basically a guideline um, in the United States that surrogates, uh, placed by the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, that surrogates have had a full-term pregnancy without complications. Is there, I would imagine there's more than one reason for that. Maybe Mm. you can talk to me about why it's so important that, that... the sur- the mm-hmm. surrogate has children of her own. Sure. Well, for one, to make sure that her body can carry a pregnancy full term without complications, that's very important. And secondly, that she has a child and she understands um, the process then of, of having this child and uh, basically providing it to another family. So emotionally, that she understands what, what that would be like. And maybe also, you know, we all tease, but sometimes having children is the best birth control. (laughs) Maybe also to make sure that towards the end of that process, she'll be more able to let go of the child she's carrying. Yes, exactly. Um, On that match list, I'm wondering if through your experience, you've been doing this for quite a while, and so you've probably come up with a lot of different scenarios that maybe were... Um, a lot of predictable beha- human behavior, but what uh, what are some of the unpredictable things? What things have you added to your match list that weren't there in the beginning? Oh, you know, nothing comes to mind, Kimberly. Okay, all right. So you're that comprehensive. You're very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> you thought of everything. So um, actually, we we pride ourselves on being good matchmakers at oh, West Coast Surrogacy. Yeah, no, and, I agree. And many of our our surrogates are they're thrilled with their their matches it's not just you know allowing somebody to read a profile and and select the surrogate but it's important that they choose each other is that typical though with some surrogacy Mm. programs that they just it's kind of like you know computer matchup 
Or is that possible? It, it is in some agencies. I've heard that one party or the other gets to choose the choose the other person, and we like to have it be um, obviously a choice that all parties are making. Okay, all right. So um, I'm flipping my page here. I want to get to the page where I have your website because I found so much information just about surrogacy in general. It's a good place to start, mm-hmm. and I have your website down as uh, www.westcoastsurrogacy.com. And um, if anybody wanted to get in touch and learn a little bit more, they could dial toll-free at 877-492-7411. Or they could email info at westcoastsurrogacy.com. It's a good place to start for somebody to call and find out, both for intended parents. But I'm interested, do most of your inquiries come from intended parents, or do they come from ladies that are thinking about surrogacy? Mm. The majority come from intended parents, and we work with parents from all over the world. So surrogacy is illegal in some countries, and and parents, unfortunately, do need to travel to the U.S. for surrogacy. So we um, definitely have more inquiries, people looking for surrogates, and um, we're always always welcome and happy to talk to any woman who's interested in becoming a surrogate or, or learning more information about that because it is such a generous, huge gift that um, it takes a lot of consideration on her part, and we just don't have as many women uh, volunteering to be surrogates as we do people needing surrogates. Um, do you mind if I read off some of the uh, qualifications that you have on your website? Oh, sure. Okay. Thank you. So um, the first one is, and I was surprised by this, and maybe you can share with me why, a surrogate can be as as young as 22 and as old as 40, and so... When I heard that, I'm thinking, boy, you know, most of us were all told not to carry children past 35. Talk to me about why that's okay. Hmm. Well, I was 39, 40 when I was pregnant, so I'm very sensitive to that, Kimberly. But um, we... Oh, well, (laughs) certainly not me. It's just... (laughs) Not you. But it is. uh, We have many parents who are are surprised that a surrogate can be up to the age of 40. And it's because we're using her uterus and not her eggs. So Ah, typically, right, um, when when we're advised to start having children before 35, it's it's due to the quality of our eggs and how that declines rapidly after the age of 35. I see. However, our uterus um, can well exceed the age of 40. However, there can be increased pregnancy complications after the age of 35. So the, gui- the recommended guidelines are up to age 40. However, we do even have surrogates that are 41 um, that have carried pregnancies recently and are still allowed in, to uh, continue with surrogacy. In great shape. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, have a healthy reproductive history having given birth to at least one child that they're raising. So that was something we talked a little bit about. Um, being willing to undergo subcutaneous and intramuscular injections, is that because of the hormones? Yes. Are, are some people squeamish and not wanting to do that type of thing? Mm. Is that come into play <laughs> we've had that come up before yes okay yes. <laughs> like, just a bit of a self-disclosure i'm on the patch so i don't uh, i'm not injected at all is that a way that they can possibly do that without yes being injected? they can do estrogen with the patch yes yeah. but unfortunately there are other medications such as progesterone that's typically um an injection intramuscular injection and also lupron which is subcutaneous i just think it's funny that you don't have a much longer list here of things like 
um, are you like um, are you willing to engage in natural childbirth or you know all the things that went through my mind every mm-hmm. time I was about to deliver you know um, those those more um, those big decisions at the last minute you know C-section and all of those mm-hmm. things those probably come into play in yes. terms of just under the women's health yes okay um, well, I mean, that's that's the matching process is what sounds so fascinating to me. You spend a great deal of time in the upfront for that at um, at your company. What um, are there any legal aspects that need to be considered? There are. We will work with surrogates only in states that recognize surrogacy contracts, such as California is one of the the best states for surrogacy, and that's why it's so popular here. Um, there are states such as Arizona that don't allow surrogacy, and unfortunately the parents living in Arizona that are looking for this option have to go outside to find a surrogate. Um, so it's actually just illegal. It's, it's just illegal, un- yes. not allowed. Yes, so she cannot give birth in the state of Arizona. Um, so those are some things we look at legally is what state does she live in and what are the laws there to support the contract. Um, and then the parties all meet with independent attorneys who specialize in this field and draft the legal contract, which is uh, at least 40 pages of um, guidelines, things the surrogate's allowed to do and not allowed to do. And parties can specifically request certain things if they're looking for organic food to be consumed during the pregnancy. And maybe DeLacy or Laura could speak to any experiences they've had in legal contracts. Oh, I'm curious. Do you guys have anything you want to say about that? Um, I did have in my legal contracts, yes, Laura, (laughs) um, to um, consume organic vegetables and You were asked to? I was asked. Or you were um, telling them that you wanted to? Um, I was asked during the matching stage and agreed. And so then it was put into the legal contract that I would do that, and they would provide that for me during the terms of the agreement. So a little bit of extra compensation since organic is more expensive. Correct. Exactly. Oh, that's interesting. Was that a big uh, shift in lifestyle for you? Was it hard to implement that during the time that you committed to do so? Um, It actually wasn't for us. We kind of do about half organic already, so it wasn't a huge jump. Um, I think that we do have some surrogates where that might be something that's a little bit harder for the, them. The ones that like McDonald's and <laughs> or, or fast food. I and so say. that's also a matching question that mm-hmm. if they are not agreeing to something like that, we're not going to match them with parents who would like that. Okay. All right. What about you, DeLacy? Anything like that? Um, I haven't had any odd requests. I've seen some that are a little bit harder for the surrogates, like not coloring their hair or wearing nail nail polish during pregnancy. Um, All those things that keep some of us pregnant ladies awake mm -hmm. at night worrying about whether, were you ever asked not to consume fish because of mercury or? I haven't been. Um, One of my intended couples wanted me to eat organic as well, but we were pretty much doing it. I didn't get extra compensation or anything, but they did provide me a lot of food Mm -hmm. to eat. So it was kind of nice to get spoiled I didn't have to do the shopping they just kind of gave it to me so that's nice did they come and make it for you too because that would really (laughs) I would have liked that but no (laughs) I was kind of picturing a meals on wheels program for you and they just kind of shuffle off pre-made food I did look into that at one point because Mm -hmm. they do have organic food delivery services so and Kimberly this is Amy we had one 
parent who was looking to hire a chef for their surrogate to cook organic, healthy food through the entire pregnancy. So they, the, the extent people will go to to make sure the pregnancy is the way they would like it to be can be uh, quite quite dramatic. Right, right. Well, so, when you start talking about personal chefs, that might make some people want to sign up. One of the items on... The um, the line items on the cost for surrogacy I noticed was housekeeping as well, and that would be another reason to to motivate a, a, a tired mom. <laughs> hey, maybe I could do this. Um, can you talk to me about um, some? Give me a little bit more of a profile of who is a candidate for surrogacy. Is it an option for a college student? We're on a college campus here at UCI. Can you tell me a little bit about um, the the most successful relationships that you have? Sure, for women who are interested in being a surrogate? Yes. Is that right? Yes. It, a college student would be fine if she's uh, had a full-term pregnancy and she's over the age of 21. Okay. Then absolutely. Um, we just look to see that her health history um, is uh, it meets our qualifications and the doctor's qualifications and uh, that she has support at home. So if she's in school and has a, has a child, uh, we look to see who does she have in her life to help with her child and help around the house if she's tired and not feeling well during the pregnancy. So we, we've had young women um, as, as young as 21 who are surrogates and they do fantastic and um, we're happy to talk to them. And another consideration for college students would be egg donation if they have not had a child. Another way to contribute to families is to donate your eggs. Okay. So, I mean, basically, you're always open to meeting women who would even just want to explore talking about surrogacy, right? Yes. And that's something they can do by calling your agency. Yes, exactly. Um, your service. Um, that number, I'm going to give it again, is 877-492-7411. And if you're just tuning in, this is Real People of Orange County. I'm Kimberly Martin. I'm with Heather McCoy, and we are talking to a lovely group of ladies from West Coast Surrogacy. We are at 88.9 FM in Irvine. And I want to ask a little bit about cost. It's something that you don't want to think is, comes into play, but it really does because it's, it's got to be factored in. Yes. And the cost for the the families who are pursuing surrogacy. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's there are many different parties involved. Uh, the physicians doing the IVF cycles, the attorneys, the agency, the surrogate, and the um, the total costs can be anywhere from say eighty thousand to one hundred and twenty thousand. Oh my! Well, I guess if you were to compare that with going through in vitro fertilization, it probably pales in comparison to some of those costs. Is that true? True, true. Now, um, maybe it would be something, is surrogacy something that people consider from the get-go or is it a second thought? Yeah, it's generally the last resort. It so is. It's, it is. Okay. It is. It's, it's people, unless it's um, a man who is either a single man or a, a gay couple, they, they know... Um, if they want to have children, that that's one of their options. Uh, however, with women who are suffering from infertility or have been through cancer treatments and other other health issues, um, it's typically at the end of the road and the last thing that they, they're considering, and they've exhausted emotionally and financially all of their possibilities. Okay. So um, so it is, it is something. What would you say to those people that have exhausted all their possibilities? Would you tell them to consider surrogacy from the get-go? I would. 
I would. It's a, it's an incredible opportunity to have not only a child, but possibly your own child, genetically your own child, and to be involved in the pregnancy and the prenatal care from the beginning of conception. So it's it's definitely an alternative to adoption um, and any other means. Okay. All right. And talk to me a little bit. I know that we brought this up. It's something you wanted to discuss, but is there a downside? Can surrogacy go wrong? Mm. Well, there are situations where a pregnancy is not achieved or there is a pregnancy and then there's a pregnancy loss, a miscarriage. Um, and sometimes parents choose not to move forward after that. So it's not always a happy ending. Um, I would say the majority of our cases are, uh, but in some situations it's not. And and one, I think, myth is that what, or a question we hear all the time is what happens if the surrogate changes their mind? And in gestational surrogacy, that's just really not relevant because it's not her genetics. She does not feel that connection to the child as a traditional surrogate might. And even if she did, the laws would not support her in any way because she has no she has no rights to that child. Okay, so girls, ladies, sorry, um, talk to me a little bit about that moment uh, when, or see, you know, I think bonding happens in the womb. I know it did for me. What was that like? Did in, when you birth your ba- birth their baby, and do you hold? Does does the physician hand the baby immediately to the intended parents, or do you at any point get to see the child that you have carried full term for them? How does that work? Most of the time, they typically go to the parents, but for me, at least speaking from a personal level, I had more of a bond with the couple during the relationship, the pregnancy, I guess, than the baby itself. Um, I still wanted to take care of the pregnancy in any way I could, but, you know, talking to the couple, having them at appointments, emailing, phone calls, the bond happened with them. And you're not shopping for the baby. You're not doing a nursery. So I'm not sure. You're not nesting for the baby at home. And Mm -hmm. and it's been nice for me because I get my house organized, (laughs) but I get, I get the nesting without the baby room to, (laughs) to do it in, but without the extra laundry. Yes. (laughs) So for me, I think more often it was hard for me to cut off the tie with the couple at the end. I saw them with their baby. So that kind of concluded it for me. They were all happy. And that was the bond for me was seeing that and experiencing that. Okay. And what about you, Laura? Um, I experienced the same thing. The babies did go um, straight to their parents. Did and you feel a sense of, you know, emptiness in that moment? You know, in the, the months preparing for, like, the birth, I kind of get excited. As much as I love carrying and being pregnant, you get excited to return back to your normal, your family, and have the focus more towards your family again. And so... That end day is kind of like, oh, I'm all done. Like, my job's done. And so I didn't feel um, sad at that point. I felt excited to be returning to my normal life again. Okay. Um, Sue, talk to me a little bit about that moment, if you would, and and your role that you play in that moment. Um, My role as a coach, because I continue to work with a surrogate after deliveries for at least two months. And what I found with most of the surrogates and just what they've said, that they this is the goal and the goal's been accomplished and they see the joy uh, that this has brought to the intended parents. It's an incredibly emotional time, incredible experience. 
And then they're ready to move on with their own lives after that. Have you ever worked mm -hmm. with a, a surrogate that was unable to move on? Never. Mm -mm. They've all been able to move on. Okay. All right. Now, many of them have chosen to become surrogates again because the experience was so fantastic. Now, I have that often. And yeah. um, mm -hmm. and the light, well, we talked about this a little bit. Amy, you were telling me about how many pregnancies is considered... I don't know. I don't mm. want to use the wrong terminology here. I don't want to say maximum. Because <laughs> right. I know, you know, there's women out there that have, you know, birthed, you know, 12, 14 babies. Yes. It's not unheard of. Right. So talk to me a little bit sure. about that. It, well, for surrogacy, we're obviously the doctors are looking for the ideal uterus and situation for that baby to grow in. And um, typically around six pregnancies would be considered the maximum that we would accept a surrogate if she's had less than six. Is that uh, West Coast surrogacy's uh, It's an overall or? guideline across the United States. There, are, You'll find agencies and doctors that will accept surrogates with more pregnancies, but it's looking at the individual case uh, and a doctor making that decision based on an individual. But if you were to, to ask, I would say six or seven is, is the max that... Uh, most people will accept a surrogate. Okay. All right. Well, um, I, one of the other things that we brought up in our initial discussion was some of the myths that you would like to dispel about surrogacy. Do you want to share those with us now? Sure. Well, as you can see being here, but the listeners can't, that surrogates like Laura and DeLacy are, are moms that you would know, you know, from your own children's school or from... Um, from a mom's club or or at the the supermarket i mean they're average they're beautiful, everyday beautiful ladies, yes. <laughs> generous caring happy women health, happy and healthy and that a surrogate is is just mm. like everybody else she's there's nothing different or um or broken about her that she's trying to fulfill it's 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 generous women who want to contribute life to to another family um so that that's one myth that women are, are driven by money to do surrogacy because um, the surrogates are are compensated they are for compensated, their time correct, correct. Okay. and looking at the commitment that they make of uh, well over a year when you look at the process of getting pregnant and recovering from the delivery the financial reward is very small for what they're they're giving um, so the motivation is altruistic typically and uh, and it's not driven financially um, so that would be one myth and the other is is that concern that that they'll be uh, that surrogates will be attached to the baby and they won't be able to give up? There's no giving up a baby that's not yours. It's handing that baby over to its rightful parents. Right, right. Okay. Well, um, I want to hear a little bit from the ladies. Tell me what this is like for your children. <laughs> they giggled. Um, I would say for my children, um, they were very young when I did it the first time, and so to them. It's completely normal. This is just what mommy does. Um, and they, they haven't seen me carry a baby and then bring the baby home because my kids are only a year apart. Um, so to them, it's mom sharing, and it's, it's been a great lesson in sharing and helping another family have what we have. And so to them, it's completely normal. My daughter shares it freely at school now, like, oh, yeah. You know, some other kid will come up and say, oh, your mommy's having a baby. And she's like, well, yeah, um, it's for two daddies. And she just is so nonchalant about it. It's very much the norm. And they 
don't have any issues with it. They do like to know where the baby goes after. And Your children ask this question. Yes. Yeah. They do like to know. And, and because I've built a relationship with the parents during the course of the pregnancy, they already know where the baby's going. And, but that would be important, um, I think, to a lot of children is where the baby's going after. So they can see that a family's being made as a result of this. Yes. Okay, what about you? I Kind of along the same lines. My kids were older, but it kind of opens their mind. Now when they see someone pregnant, they're like, do you think that's their baby or is it someone else's baby? So they don't know any different. They love that people are pregnant and for them, they're glad that we don't have a baby coming home with oh. us. So <laughs> No more competition. Yes, That's but it, I love that it opens their mind. They they have friends who are like, what, it's not your mom's baby? And they're like, yeah, like it's a normal for them. So Okay. Um, I'm going to ask the next question of Sue Ann again. Sue, Ann, tell me a little bit about what, you know, we just touched on what this might be like for the surrogate in their, her own personal community with her children, but maybe her children's school, the community at large. Talk to me a little bit about how you prepare the sur- a new surrogate maybe for those those scenarios. Well, whatever this surrogate brings to the session and the question and the challenge that they feel, we will work around that. But to this um, point, I've never had that really come up. Oh, okay. Because yeah. both, both Laura and DeLacy talk about dealing with it really openly. Right. And I'm just curious, has, have you ever had anybody come up and give judgment to you or speak to you in a way that was uncomfortable about your choice to be a surrogate? I have never <coughs> personally experienced that. I have heard um, maybe not directly to my face, oh, I don't know how she could do that, but I haven't personally had that ever had to deal with it face like to face. face to face yeah right right but but maybe some mixed mixed reactions but, but not much. Most, mostly, mostly very positive oh good especially okay. at school there's a lot of other moms who will come up and say oh I think it's great what you're doing and maybe have interest and I've directed them in the right direction good 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 <laughs> yeah because not as we talked about before not all uh, surrogacy organizations are run the same and so um it's really important to do some due diligence. Um, Amy, what are some of the questions that people can ask when doing due diligence about choosing a surrogacy organization? I think some things that are important are what's the agency's involvement with them during the process? What does the agency offer in terms of support, like such as having Sue Ann? Um, not all agencies offer support. And how involved is the case manager? Do they attend appointments with them? Will they have the same case manager through the whole pregnancy? Um, Are they available at night when they have a question or a concern that comes up? Uh, So I think that's very important. Like in the middle of the night? Yes. That kind of concern? (laughs) I forgot to mention earlier in the show, but both DeLacy and Laura are also case managers for other surrogate moms. So they not only do they get to share... um, uh, you know the joy of surrogacy, but they do share it firsthand, and so they've they've run the gamut of a lot of different experiences. So that case management from an experienced surrogate is probably really important. Well, I can't thank you all enough for trekking over here, <clears throat> pregnant or not pregnant, because um, it's not somewhere easy to, to to get around here yeah, somewhere <laughs> in between, and joining us to tell us about this really valuable service. I'm really proud to say that I know you, Amy. 
and um, even more proud to hear about the contribution that you're making to families in Orange County and all over the country. And I think mm-hmm. you did say um, in other parts of the world, too, did you not? Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really grateful that you came in. Thank and, you very much for having us. And shared. I think you did an amazing job. We've talked <laughs> yes. for a full hour and um and and we, we did we covered a lot of information. So if anybody is interested in learning more about surrogacy, um in my own research I found um www.surrogacy.com for general information about the laws surrounding surrogacy either in your state or um, it may be questions that you have. I found your website westcoastsurrogacy.com to be an incredible um, uh, resource for anybody looking whether they're able to come to you or not. Uh, great resource mm-hmm. and um, I also have posted uh, pictures and um, links on my website, KimberlyMartin.com or OCRealPeople.com. So you can go there and find some of those resources as well. Any Thank last you. words before we close off and start our next show? Thank you very much Thank for having you. us. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. So up next is uh, Counterspin. And then after that, we have Matt Kaplan and Planetary Radio. Heather, anything else we need to say or did I say it all? I think so. Okay, good. Right. We'll see you next week.